Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM can always listen online at the website topetro.com it's a monday it's a snowy monday folks it is uh, december 12th well the first snow of the season has fallen once again people uh it's incredible people forget immediately how to drive you want to like slow down a little bit uh I, i'll say this we we definitely got more more snow than than uh had been i believe called for i think initially they were just saying it was going to be a kind of a dusting a little bit and instead, boom, there it is. Um, <clears throat> there were even some school delays this morning, which I didn't think was going to happen. But anyhow, um, definitely makes things a little a little more Christmassy, get people into the spirit. I don't think it's going to survive the week. I think, uh, if anything, today would be a little bit of melting. And then as the week goes along, I see some temperatures into the 40s approaching, even 50 and rain on Friday. But we get to enjoy a little bit of of uh snow for the week so folks again um so this week just looking at some local stories one story that is it's still there i was up there on friday night at the rhode island state house in the homeless encampment in the snow and all is still there it's a it's a bad visual for governor mckee it's a bad visual on purpose uh but that is wednesday that goes to court so that story in the homeless will begin to have, have some resolution uh, on, on Wednesday, whatever that may be. Now, I have a feeling the judge is going to say you can't just camp out at the state house. There had been a provision. You can't do it. I find it hard to believe that would have gone in and been successful if, in fact, that you could, in fact, do that and be at the state house. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that and watch how that plays out no something else that's going on is in fact this uh, situation regarding the providence teachers union and what i'm curious about that is how the media is going to play it because the union they're already going full-scale war they they want to knock out they want to get some people out of there and they want to continue to cause chaos and disruption this is not about improving test scores this is about making things as difficult as possible for the people that are in charge how about also last night was uh not only were people a little unprepared for the amount of snow on the roads but also logan airport i started seeing last night that there were the planes were backing up pretty pretty extensively at logan and it's um it sounds like it was a real nightmare for some of the passengers and it's one of those situations you can't you can't get off you know they won't let people off the plane but it um it turned into a complete disaster for for people that again you know we were told the snow was was going to come i don't think they fully knew how much we were going to you know hit all of a sudden it was flurrying in the afternoon but but what i'm seeing is um apparently at, at logan and maybe you're listening and you're one of them but it was um just an absolute nightmare passengers stranded on logan tarmac for hours last night and that's one of those situations like you you can't you can't get off the plane once you're there once it starts and then the plane is out there it's not like you say you know i think i'll just 
I think I'll just get off. It doesn't work that way. This is the Channel 5. Let me hear a little bit of this uh, Channel 5 story. It sounds like it was just a nightmare at uh, Logan last night. Issues, but passengers are telling us they were told it was issues de-icing the plane. You can take a look. Pretty decent-looking line at the security check-in at TSA. Now, new video shows crews plowing snow on the tarmac. More than half a dozen planes carrying hundreds of passengers were waiting on the tarmac at Terminal A for hours last night into the overnight hours. A viewer emailed this photo saying he and about 100 other passengers on his Delta flight bound for Chicago were on the plane for more than six hours. Oh. They were supposed to take off at six o'clock last night. Another passenger talking to us after finally getting off his Delta flight, but the trouble didn't end there. We were told when we finally got down here that the bags were taken off of the plane. There was an overhead announcement that they were taken off the plane and that they were then put onto the ramp. But they were not put onto the carousel yet. And that was at least an hour ago. Now, a very oh. frustrating situation for hundreds them. of people out here at Logan. Now, still no official word from Massport or Delta Airlines about the issues, but we've heard from a number of passengers telling us it was all about de-icing those planes and that crews were having trouble getting it done. Live at Logan, Emily Maha, WCBB News Center 5. So, again, that's, um, folks, just... I, I, again, it's it's um, it's not it's not pleasant traveling these days. That's really not pleasant when you get into that type of situation. But once they get out there, once you're on the tarmac, that's when all bets are off. Because, like I said, it's not like you just say, you know, I think we'll just, I think we'll just get off the boat. No, not so fast. So six hours stuck and de-icing the plane. You know, one thing. I mean, that's come a long way with the the de-icing and all the technology on the obviously on the planes but still um isn't it remarkable and last night i know close to home uh right near the airport connected there was 12 car pileup some car uh got in an accident sped out and then the driver abandoned the vehicle so it was blocking the ramp and then you suddenly had like a, a slow motion crash so everybody um and then now so the snow's going to melt today but then it's going to be icy, <laughs> icy later as, as we have to have everyone start to remember, oh, that's right. That's what can happen when, when, um, when the snow, one moment it's, it's wet and the next minute then it, it turns to ice. So, folks, it's Monday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor, anchorrising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, uh, it's only fitting with snow on the ground and the, uh, the week that broke out last week where... And we'll go through some different elements to this, but essentially there are still the tents at the Rhode Island State House. There are homeless individuals and advocates that have camped out with all these tents. Started last fall. Uh, Governor McKee was then his staff was trying to evict them. On Wednesday, they informed them they had to leave there. And and then a rally. And then they have an attorney that has stepped forward to prevent it. So... I want to start off and talk about it and get your thoughts on it, because this is something we have talked about. It started last fall when Cynthia Mendez and at the time Matt Brown, uh, you know, the co-op collaborative, when they first went up there, the state police and Capitol Police were informing them, no, no, you can't you can't sleep here overnight. There's an ordinance. You're not allowed to do that. They allowed them to do it. And then suddenly here we are. And and what a setting um with with snow on the ground on this monday 
<laughs> Certainly. I mean, it, it is an, an interesting early test for uh, an administration run by as weak need a person as Dan McKee. I mean, it's, that's really what it comes down to is, is it's, he just has no way out of this because he, he isn't decisive and, and he let it go a little too far, I think. I mean, at this point, honestly, the lawyers we're hearing from in this case, it seems like they're making the case that anybody at all can set up to live on public land and that's allowed. I mean, that, that's right. they have a right to live there, which is, it starts to get bizarre. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not their property. It's the people's property. Okay. So can I tell these people they can't live on my property or how do we decide that that's through government? That's what government is for. But we've, we've gotten to this point where I don't think McKee really has the, the political chops to get himself out of this cleanly. I mean, there, there, there are multiple ways to do it. You could just, try to evict them but then you've got to be able to make that stick you could work with them but a big part of what he's not doing and he has to do and i think this is a broader problem for democrats in this era of wokeness is he has to change the story he has to be able to they're just so they're too scared because they're captured by identity politics and grievance culture i mean if you even question so i've pointed out a few times that these folks assuming take out the activists and assume they're all genuinely homeless people. They have set up on the absolute worst spot on that property That's for right. Oaks Encampment. There are, there are sheltered areas, there's grass, there are trees, there are places where you can put your stake better in the ground. They put yep. it in a windy area on pavement where you can't stake down. Why? Because it's visible. It's right there out in front. It's a political show. But you can't even say that without being attacked as hating homeless people and you're, you have no soul. And, and that's where the Democrats are. They're, they're afraid to violate that rhetoric and so uh, they, they've got no way out of it they can't i mean if you went out and you could you could have social workers whoever invite the media if you want go out there and assess who is actually out there and then you could say well well this person is a professional activist this person is that this person really needs some help and here's what we're doing to help them uh, that sort of thing you can do if you're able to be honest and actually uh, sort of do in a in a sense a lower scale version of what uh, Ron DeSantis has done in Florida with with the uh, the immigrants being shipped there is actually be honest about what's going on and take steps in response and people get that but uh, McKee's just too weak and, and Democrats generally are too tied up in the wokeness to be able to do something effective like that. You know, it's interesting, Justin, we are, we're also seeing because you and I have talked about this every step of the way, it's it's one bad decision and leads to another that then sometimes, you know, has put them in this position, such as last fall, if he had stood up because and I remember it vividly, the state police said, hold on, they made a phone call. And then they were delayed, and then they caved, and they let them stay there. Well, then that paved the way for it. If he had stood up to them uh, last fall, but then Cynthia Mendes was saying, well, I'm, I'm a senator, and you can't kick me out, and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you, you wouldn't be faced with this. But you make a, a great point, because a big part of this is who really, you know, who's really homeless, who's just a, an advocate, because that's what a lot of them are coming. And and the attorney, their position of, oh, no, it's the people's house. They, they, can't, they can't kick them out because they don't own the land. I mean, if you go to that, then I, I don't know how anyone ever gets kicked out of anywhere. If they say, all right, the beaches are closed. Well, the beaches belong to the people, and you're just a police <laughs> officer. You can't kick me out because you don't really own it. Um, I mean, at the very least, it, it kind of just gave them a reprieve, but it, it's – it's no kind of victory and anyone that's that's going up there, which I did last week. I mean, it looks terrible. It's a total political stunt. And, and there's a lot of different elements to this. But we, where do you think this leads this week? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, eventually, I mean, McKee's going to have to. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not. You, a judge is going to have to decide. And I think at some point, uh, it, unless McKee's really steps up and finds another way to, to manage this. And it's, I, I can't imagine, I mean, it's possible, but I can't imagine that the argument is going to stand that you can set up a somewhat permanent residence um, on the, on the state house 
patio there. Agreed. I, I just I can't imagine that's the case. Uh, whether whether the McKee administration has a political will to actually make that case strongly, I don't know. In some ways, you know, it's almost it, it don't given the the close knit community of Rhode Island, it's it's almost like uh, the judge's decision in a miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, where he just had to cut, figure out some way to acknowledge to say this guy counts as Santa Claus. Uh, that's right. I, and that we're in a very similar situation where everybody i'm sure is is just looking for a way to to reassert reality and it's not you know it's not easy if you watch the news media it reminds me of all the talk about insurrection this insurrection that it's it's they're being evicted well all right i guess technically by the tech dictionary definition that word can be used but we usually think of it as somebody being kicked out of their home and right not what this is they're being evacuated they're being removed but evicted makes it sound like they've got a lease on the land, which so the media is helping to frame it in this way. And it's it's a really it's it's almost humorous because it's such a sticky situation, very characteristic of our times now where yes. we're just being forced to pretend things are what they are not. And that that's in some ways what this is. And I think you, you've got it exactly right. If McKee early on had just said, you know what, we're we're not going to let you do this. We get it's a political stunt. Okay. But there are limits. You can't sleep here overnight. You got to go. You come back tomorrow and set up your tent again, whatever for your political statement that you can't, you can't make this your home. And that they just did not have that will to do that. And I, I think it's, it's coming back to bite him. And it's, it's interesting how the politics really gets involved. So he, he didn't want to disrupt that early on before the primary. And so he went along too much. I mean, that's my interpretation. And then they didn't want to give Ashley Kalis a little too much leverage. So they laid off him a bit right before the election. And now the election's done and we can go back to full throated uh, battle between the progressives and the kind of mealy mouthed moderate in the, in the governor's office. That and um, and and also, Justin, what do you make of the fact that his this I, I don't even know who this guy is, but his secretary of housing. I, I mean, can you recall a time someone's been less visible and, and there's no press conference and there's there's no press person at all? And he he'll hold a meeting and he won't talk to the media. I just you know, I you just to me, anyhow, I start to wonder, is this is like another bad choice? How did they not see this coming? They, this, these, these are people who, in a moment, so all you have to do is boom, suddenly just say, I am homeless. It's an instant shield. You're instantly a victim. The other side jumps in. How dare you pick on someone who is a whole, they're homeless. That verify it. Are they homeless or do they have an apartment they were kicked out of. We don't know how they arrived at the circumstances. There's no way to ask for an ID. There's no way to check anything. It is, it's really uh, remarkable how in, in just a, a second's notice, you just, boom, snap your fingers and say, I am homeless, and, and the other side has to cave. But this, this just, I think this is another situation. I, I don't know that much about him, but he, he is, I, I wouldn't, him as someone that's clearly in charge of the, of the situation, meaning on top of it. Well, no, certainly not. I mean, you, you raise a really excellent point. The the we are so far into this where you can't check IDs, you can't do that, you can't. The, you can you can almost see how the the situation the progressives have been setting up for years now. Uh, it really creates this the possibility of these situations and makes it yeah. more difficult to deal with, and really just sows chaos. But you know, the the press the Saul's position here is, is kind of tough. I mean, he can, he can only go as far as his boss is willing to go. Uh, but, but on the other hand, it does make you wonder, what are all these people paid so much money for if they don't have a, a big shelf full of binders with exigency plans of what's our right. messaging? If this happens, if that happens, if the other thing happens, it's sort of like they're all just hiding and are no do, do little jobs where you know oh well we will just address this in a, the minimal way possible where that's kind of what a press secretary ought to be doing is preparing the messaging for all of this stuff but again that's right especially with the media i mean with the press office and, and messaging that ultimately comes down to the governor and i so in that regard i have a lot of a, a lot of sympathy for his team because i don't think they're getting they're they're getting or would be confident in a strong uh, stance from the governor. I think they're, you know, it's too easy to step out in front of the press and, and get handed your hat because your boss doubled back on what he had said in the back room. 
folks uh, coming up much more ahead on this. Plus we'll talk about the, the uh, situation with the Providence teachers union, how the press is being baited into that and uh, much more. It's politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorizing.com right here on the John DePietro show. remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 mendon road in cumberland you can also look for on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets, there's things for your children, there's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport restaurant. Our segment is politics this week with me. is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, I want to stay with the situation with the quote homeless, because there's several areas where I believe the McKee people have just failed. Number one, he went on, he was gone for two weeks after the election. Now you could say he's deserved a break, but the problem was there and they were already up there at the state house. So, this was a situation that was that was already looming. A, a big part of this that I think that they have failed is to really discern out for the media the difference between who who are some of these people because the McKee people keep saying, "Well, we have room at a shelter," but as someone I've gone up and others, they don't want to go to a shelter. That Nilo, what they want are hotel vouchers. What they really want is free housing. And you have the McKee people, uh, for better or worse, are stuck in this, oh, look, it's going to be snowy and rainy. Let's get these people into a shelter. Well, you can't bring a pet into a shelter. Couples get separated at a shelter. You can't bring in drugs or booze or uh, it's a very vagabond life with a shelter. What these people really want is we have, and it's becoming a larger number of individuals, they want free housing. They don't want to work. But they want to be housed somewhere, not just overnight for shelter. They want their own, whether it's apartment or house or whatever it is. But that's that's what it comes down to. But but look at how he has not even been inaugurated yet, Justin Katz. And and already he's he, they're planning on moving the inauguration inside to the convention center. And I think part of this is because he seems rattled as to what to do about these homeless crowd supposedly that are now following him everywhere. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. If you're, if you're a competent leader with, with real policies and confidence in your position and your competence, then you, you do things like push back on this and, and play and call them on their game. I mean, as we say, most of these are going to be activists, I would guess, because it's such a bad place to be setting up. It's, it, right. it's just, if, if you actually are living there, because you're homeless, that's not where you would go, uh, in my no. view, unless you're already in with the activists. So there's, there's shades of gray there. So he needs to do that. He needs to f- he needs to say who is out there. Let's see who's out there and and conspicuously provide them the help that they actually need in their situations, uh, and and make that clear and and force the media to acknowledge. Okay, this person's got a, a full time job and just doesn't want to have to pay rent. This person does this. This person's just an activist. Um, I mean, Matt Brown was living out there last time around, and he's he's wealthy. So I mean, yes. I mean, just who are these people? That's step one. Make them real people, not some faceless cartoon of quote the the victimized homeless. They ha- make them real people. Offer them real, real solutions if they have problems, and 
make a point of what you're doing there, but they're, they're too scared to even touch it. So they're just kind of backing, backing in the corner and, and progressives excel at this with sort of phony liberals. It's just, they just push the buttons. They make them so they have to decide, am I going to be strong today? Or am I going to, am I just going to try to sneak through? And the problem is as you sneak through they're they're hurting them basically is, is what it's like. They, they're like herd dogs with, sh- with sheep, you know, just getting them to narrower and narrower confines. And now McKee wants to move the inauguration inside. And it's not just you and me coming to the conclusion that that's probably because he doesn't want those homeless activists disrupting his inauguration like they disrupted his right. Christmas tree lighting. And so, okay, we'll put it somewhere where we control it. But inch by inch, they're being backed into this corner. And now it's going to be who can go in there? Oh, OK. Well, last time this happened in the 90s, uh, minority women were, were harassed by the police when Amon tried to do this, too. And so that's the next step is he's going to have to let people in and they'll make even a bigger show. And I mean, it's just it, it's entertaining, certainly. But it, I think it's very telling of how things are, how things are going in this state where you just there's nobody with the the confidence in their policies or themselves, or I, I suppose, I suppose their political support. There's nobody who has enough confidence to actually stand up to the, the people right. who do on the left. And that's, that's really at the heart of so many of our problems in Rhode Island. Folks, again, our segment is politics this week with me. is Justin Katz. Justin, that is right on the money because this part of me, you know, it's incredible to listen to, you know, as if they have nowhere to go. And we're offering, we're going to give them a ride to the shelter. And then we're going to make sure they have food. And uh, people dropping off, right, blankets and water and food and socks to them. And, like, what is this? that No one says, like, why aren't they taking care of themselves? Or why aren't they... Like, why should we have to get them a ride over there? Why should we have to put them overnight? It would be as if, what if they announced, you know, Governor, it's it's raining. Look at all those people outside. They don't have umbrellas. Uh, it, it's incumbent upon you that you should be out there with your your staff handing out umbrellas to all those poor people in the rain. Like, Justin, at what point is this self-accountability that comes in? And, and the, the fact of the matter is, you and I both know, it's completely missing from the narrative but if this is what he hasn't even been sworn in yet and you know there's definitely some the far left progressives that are kind of sticking to him a little bit and and i just come back to it was kind of like during the some of the protests remember suddenly these people showed up in uh in some of the the anti-vax protests and they they were dressed in nurses uniforms and people said look no no one in the media questioned is that person really a nurse or is that person just, you know, wearing a nurse's outfit? They weren't speaking about it. Um, with this, the advocates are saying there's, there's 500 people that are out there on the streets and there's 80 encampments. And the, the, the hardest the, the McKee people have actually pushed back was he questioned, like, where are you getting these numbers from? We don't, we don't have these numbers. But it becomes a little bit of an illusion. Um, just to wrap this up, I, I think we're in for a long four years because I, I think the McKee people have they're failing in at least making their argument to to frame it for the media. For instance, when when Ashley Kalis was criticizing him, Governor McKee went out of his way to say that's she's a seagull manager. You know what that is? He even said that to the reporter. Someone comes in and just they knock everything that quote like crapping all over everything. But with this. They have not, I don't think, done a good job to frame this of you have different individuals. This isn't someone displaced by a fire. This isn't someone who some event, drug, alcohol problem, ended up on the street. There are people that are just, they, they want to game and expand all the social services. Oh, certainly. And that's what it is. It's inch by inch. You, you get a little bit more, you get a little bit more, you, you just you move on till to socialism is what they they really yes. want at the end of the day. And they're, we're, we're so defenseless against this complaint because of our leaders have gone. Once you seed that first principle that people don't have any responsibility for themselves, once you seed that principle, you can everything is just what feels reasonable at that moment. And the progressives will constantly push to make that more and more and more. That seems unreasonable to the point where you're allowed to apparently live at the state house. Now, if you, if you happen to 
we don't even know if they're residents of the state, let alone uh, of whether they should be able to camp out on a, the state house property. So that's that's what it is. It's it's inch by inch. And McKee's in a tough spot here because yeah. and this is and I think this is the this is the problem with a guy who basically bought his way into the, right. into the state house using federal money to bribe constituencies is he's got no native support. He's not no. strong. He's not he can't stand up to them. He doesn't have the the native support or the insider connections in the, in the right places to put pressure on these people from behind the scenes as other, say, more progressive, uh, friendly legislators or, or executives would be able to do is say, hey, Joe, you know, your, your guys are your folks are really messing with me with this. Could you maybe pull them back a bit? You know, that kind of if you have those connections with the progressives, you could do that kind of thing and work together. Like, I mean, they were kind of gentler with him during, in a, immediately before the the general election because they needed a democrat in office for this to work but so he's got no native support he's got no no backbone or no policy positions that he's willing to stand on and so he's he's stuck and i think you're right it's going to be four years of constantly pulling them toward him toward them and i I think it's going to work because i don't i have not seen any evidence that there is a threshold that mckee will not cross if he thinks he has to cross it in order to stay in office and save face right no, that's a very, very good point. And even with the handing out the, quote, eviction notices, uh, they, they shouldn't have done that. I think they should have, instead of the governor's staff, there's Eva Mancuso out there with his communication guy. I don't know why they didn't use some of the state social workers out there. And then at least then that's like part of the community and they do it for a living. And they're, you know, we're, we're going to get you the help we need. Um, in, instead, it did go, it did come across almost like a <laughs> eviction notices even though they're not even supposed to be living there for crying out loud yeah but it was like a landlord to, yeah he didn't get to where he is by making good decisions with good people around him he got to where he is by buying off the system and the two don't go hand in hand this isn't someone that has a track record of making good decisions he kind of just game the political system uh to get to where he is but you, you, you can't buy these people off unless he's going to start giving them $3,000 bonuses to leave the, the state house. Folks, quick break. <laughs> Much more ahead. Politics Sweet, Justin Katz, right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.com. Net. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorrising.com. And uh, Justin, now we're also seeing the uh, Providence teachers, their contract is is up in June. And uh, already they are going full-scale war. They want – they don't like the, the um, education commissioner, Fonte Green. They don't like the new – superintendent he was the hero he's like he was homeless at one point javier came up through the system now he's the bad guy now this person that works for him i I don't know who she is but i know her name joan jackson and they are already sensing they're not going to get the contract they want uh brett smiley and others they had that meeting with the former mayors saying maybe it's time for just more charter schools but I, I want to get your thoughts here that, that people need to pay attention. What I don't like is they try to suck in um, the, the media on this. So far to me, the Providence Journal is going full scale, you know, publishing every press release and verbatim publishing what the union is saying. 
And this is all, it's, it's, as you and I have, it's another negotiating tactic. These are all games. This has nothing to do with improving education. This is all union gamesmanship because the big contract negotiation is up in June. Yeah, in, in some ways, you, you can see where the progressives are going with their social things by looking at what the unions do now yep. and what they've been doing for years. And it's a, it's a similar situation. I mean, for one thing, it shows you you cannot work with them. They, they don't no. they operate in good faith. It's always about them gaining more leverage. You think you've got a deal or whatever, or you think you're doing something. Nope, they'll push it even farther. They're, they'll always leak. They'll always cause disruptions that's what they do it's their game because they're just there to get more money and power for themselves that's basically it but the one of the reasons that works so well is because and just like mckee with the homeless there shouldn't be any the the process of the reforming providence schools should be so transparent and so visible to the public that it's not a surprise so that's what creates this is there's talk of maybe closing a couple schools well maybe that's a good idea maybe it's not but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be hanging out there like a surprise to be leaked as if it's some secret dirty thing and you know what the only people who really should care if a building closes or not, I mean, if it makes sense, close a building. The only people who care about that are the ones who are, think that our school system is a jobs program. That's, and that's, that's the, right. union. and that's, so that they're the only ones who care, but they'll go out there and they'll make a big scene of it. The media will help them because I mean, especially the province journal and at the end of the day, you, you could argue they're all in the same larger union because they're unionized at the province that's journal, right. which Good they point. never disclosed by the way. Uh, but the um, that's, that's really what it comes down to is this kind of trying to go along with the labor unions to the point that you cannot reform. I mean, the, the, the Department of Education, or the, no, it was the district itself, had, a, had a, a dead on statement that you only hear when they're under fire. They said, uh, this hostile and unprofessional approach by the union leadership has undermined province progress for years. It's disrespectful of students, families, and educators. Exactly. But it's not just yes. Providence. This is everywhere. If you're whatever yeah. town you're in, when you're in negotiation season, go to those school committee meetings. Watch the teachers behave like like bratty bullying children in the in the auditorium or the library or wherever the meetings held. I watched that 20 years ago. It really opened my eyes. They are not there to help the students. They are. No. I mean, a lot of the teachers are just kind of drawn along by the union and made to feel victimized you, you'll you get no respect without us i mean it's almost like a cultish abusive relationship for the teachers themselves but the the unions will always push and push and push and destroy the system they are i mean it's no it's no exaggeration to say that the labor teachers unions in rhode island are responsible for damaging the lives of hundreds of thousands of children yeah that evil in organization and this is when it comes to the comes to the light but it's, it's amazing to watch how the news media just still buys a 40 50 year old story about yep. uh, teachers being underpaid and getting no respect the media is still playing by that storyline and the, the people in government who should be advocating for the kids and supporting representing the people just they need the political support i mean mckee especially at the top of this pyramid he he's bought and paid for by the union. Yes. So they, they've got him by, let's say the curls <laughs> to be, to be family friendly. And <laughs> right. so they, they've got him. He can't do anything about it. So they, they know it and they'll keep pushing and education will continue to wallow. And that's, that's one the thing that really, I, I mean, I get heated on this stuff, but the, the one thing that really just jumps out at you is why are we just hearing about this? Why haven't we been hearing constantly from you, Providence Journal, Channel 12, yeah. all of them? Why haven't we been hearing constantly about the lack of progress, this children who are still failing because of this, exactly this sort of thing? There's no concern about the kids. It's all the, the standard narrative about the adults. That is exactly right. And there's so many, so much to unpack there. Um, couple things, uh, Justin Katz. One is someone that I know that is familiar with the negotiation process said that, that something that this individual was amazed at is this, in these, remember the negotiations, they were in one room and Conti Green was in the other room. This was going on twice a week. It's like they're negotiating like a major, the broadcast rights for the NFL. Uh, there's nothing about education. It's all, you know, you want the teachers to stay five minutes extra a day or extend the school day. It's a back and forth. In that John Hopkins report, they said the a big problem is it's too adult-centric. There's nothing about the students. Teachers weren't even showing up for parent-teacher conferences. 
it's a joke. They were they work four hours a day. They're in the building six hours a day, but they get an hour for lunch. They get an hour for period. So you're talking about really four hours that they're they're in. And what people don't recognize this is because the contract's up in June. This will be they will go. This could go all the way to Labor Day. I mean, this is what they do. It's disruption. They're trying to intimidate. Look what they did to Ramundo. She, you know, they like they like the story out there that she didn't get fully vetted for the VP slot because Randy Weingarten stepped up. Justin, on a on a national front, I think it's interesting. Mike Pompeo, former head of the CIA, former Secretary of State, he's kicking the tires on a presidential run. He's already scoped out the landscape, and the person he's targeting is Randy Weingarten. He has come out and said she is the biggest threat to the country, not MAGA, you know, Trump or anything like that or the head of China. She is the biggest threat. He has challenged her to a debate. Mike Pompeo is basically, and I'm excited about it, is building his candidacy on he's going to bring down the teachers' unions that you and I have talked about. Have just The media gets intimidated. I'm glad you brought up the fact about the journal and the unions because, as you know, a lot of people don't pay attention. But last week, the New York Times union did go on strike for the day. And so you really do see the kinship that they seem to feel. Um, it really used to come across in the reporting. Scott McKay was a big one, always siding with the union. And so it's a major problem. But, Justin, what what um, I find the media, obviously, they came after me and that intimidated. That sent a message to the rest of the media. Uh, and you see the media really treats them with kid gloves. And you hear a lot of the same cliches. We need to pay teachers more and. You know, then they come back with, we're proud of our kids. You saying our kids don't try hard and blah, look at this nine-year-old girl and she's got one arm and she's still an A student. You know, they, they have all the ammunition. They're professionals at it. And if, if need be, Weingarten will come to town and rally the troops. But what do you think will happen Wednesday night? I think it's big school committee meeting. They're trying to get it back into uh, city control where they're going to have a school board again. I, I just think at some point McKee will want to punt this thing out of the state still having the takeover, I believe. And once again, cut the legs out of, uh, uh, you know, out beneath the education commissioner and the superintendent. Yeah, that seems to be the pattern. But I, I think you, you point to an important thing with uh, Mike Pompeo nationally. I mean, it's, it is clear that there is opportunity uh, yes. for, to grab some, some support from the people who are actually opening their eyes, the parents groups and so on. Uh, and it's a lot easier nationally for Republicans to do, but a, a lot of people are seeing it, particularly after COVID and the teachers wanted to keep the schools shut despite obvious harm, which, fr- which frankly, again, the news media that's a big, big, big story that they're they're hinting at now and then, but they could really be delving into that as a contrary to the one-armed A student that you just mentioned. I mean, that's the, the teachers' unions are largely responsible for that damage. And it's not just that. When people start to open their eyes, they see that that was not an isolated thing. It's just how they operate. I mean, the the drop in the drop in in student performance because of COVID was about equivalent to the gap the oh wait the perennial gap between Rhode Island and Massachusetts like that's how that we we hurt our children that much all the time so that's that's, that's right. really that's really what's what's going on there and it's it's because of this atmosphere I mean I remember early on getting involved in local politics and hearing about teacher negotiations where they they split them up you know what school committee over in this room, the union over in this room, going back and forth is uh, some far left activists like Pat Crowley and, and the school committee who are just volunteers trying to do some good for their kids' schools. All here is Pat Crowley in the other room throwing chairs and screaming about how horrible it is and what they have to fight, fight, fight and all this stuff. They intimidate. That's what they do. Yeah. They the system. And you know what? I I hope it's not the case, but I, I really don't see how the, the unions don't just win here. Whatever they want, I think they, they get. Because, I mean, it's, it's almost, in, in some respects, we're, we're kind of bad-mouthing the, the of, of government officials, but it's almost amazing that they're, they're pushing back as much as they even are, that they care for the students as much as they do. Because you've got the governor bought and paid for by the unions. You've got law now that keeps contracts, union contracts ongoing. So it's That's not right. like this. It's not, it's not as if 
in the fall, they go, oh, well, we don't have a contract. See you all later. <laughs> We're hiring some new teachers. That just can't happen. They keep going. It's, they don't lose anything. They just they have no reason not to just stick in their heels and, and fight for everything they can get, uh, and that's that's a real problem. I mean, we're now uh, three. Four, what is how many years since the John Hopkins report? We're, that I was mean, we're, uh, May of nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, four we're, years in June. Yeah. So we're. I mean, we're and nothing. No progress. Nothing. Just, just a Zero. whole whole high school class. From yep. freshman to senior, failing, failing, failing because of this these shenanigans and nobody having the, the spine to stand up to these unions and start calling them out. And it's almost like the homeless thing. Start digging into these people. Who are they? Yeah. Why do they have these incentives? How much money are all these union leaders making? I think the members would want to know that kind of stuff. How much, how many far left how much time are they spending on far left advocacy that the teachers may or may not support on a political grounds? All that kind of stuff is right there for the taking for anybody who wants to really start to push back on this absolutely evil organization. Yeah, but Governor McKee standing with Pat Crowley at the, at the polls. On the yeah, exactly. That said a loud statement. One thing I will say, Justin, that was an extraordinary press briefing that Alorza had where he had Angel Tavares, Joe Paolino. Brett Smiley and and the three former mayors all stepped forward and said if they do it all over again, they would have blown up the teachers' contract in the beginning. They would have gone to war. They would have, you know, tried to fundamentally that that was extraordinary that they were saying before you take office, you know, they're going to do everything they can to wear you down. If I had to do it all over again, I wish I'd gone hard right at the beginning. Justin, I finally just want to add with and and you would get it, but I sent you. It was a big story in the in the Boston Globe: the anti-Semitism rise in New England. And uh, as I point out, you know, when they used that photo, you had these guys back right around the 4th of July that uh, they had masks covered their face, the sneer drum. They showed up a Patriot front. They marched for like, I don't know, two minutes. They, they were then running back and you could see who they were. That is the photo they use. The, the, the most national attention of anti-Semitism has been number one, Kanye West, now known as he. And number two, Kyrie Irving was suspended from the NBA. Former, and he was the former Celtics star. Neither one of them even mentioned in the article. I just, I find it comical. Like they're talking about, they so wanted to be these white kids that were all wearing the same type of costume, if you will, with the caps and the mask over the cover, Gordier covering the face and the khaki pants and the snare drum. They so wanted to be them that they leave out the person that's saying, I love Hitler making national attention in the form of Kanye West. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wrote about this last week as well. The, the, the whole thing, it, in some ways, it's, it's very similar. They, the rise, the, the headline is a rise in anti-Semitism and, and, um, the, the activists in that particular area are, uh, are saying that the, they're so much more comfortable now being anti. If what? No, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest thing was what some some Kanye West flyers, anonymously thrown right. in driveways in Providence. In that is not yeah. the sign of a of a confident movement. It's just not there. But it's the same sort of thing. I mean, I on Anchor Rising, I looked into uh, Adam Greenman, who's the head of the Jewish Alliance of Greater Rhode Island, who's making a lot of this noise. And I mean, this is this is like journalism 101. I think for any any time one of these people is, is coming out with a narrative, who are they? What do they make? I mean, you can look it up. He makes two hundred thousand dollars in a seven million dollar a year organization. I mean, that's great for him. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want to take that away from him, but. He, it kind of puts perspective on it's his job to make this seem like a big deal. I mean, right. that's, he's got to do that. That's coloring our entire society these days, but you never get those stories because they want that narrative. Like you say, they want, and, and that's another thing that really kind of gets to me. So Kanye West, yay, whatever, ye, yay, uh, who is now aligned in the, the narrative with MAGA and Donald Trump, that, that requires this national conversation. And yet we have Louis Farrakhan, or um, the the squad in Congress would say right. things that are nearly as anti-Semitic. I mean, the Hitler thing was way way over the top. Oh, but yeah. things that are things that are, that are anti-Semitic constantly. But that never requires a, a national conversation. Why? Because they're Democrats. They're on the left. They're on that side. And that's just you know that's just ridiculous. And, and my my biggest note on this as somebody who with a, a Jewish last name who picks up on these signals all the time from people. You know, you know, I think I would rather have them comfortable. I want those people out there. I don't want to have to guess. Are you trying to, are you, are you trying to assess 
my level of Jewishness so you can judge me. I, I don't want to have to guess. I want them to feel comfortable coming out and saying, this is what I believe. And I think that's that's a big thing where we've really gotten away from. And it's it's kind of stunning that we don't see it from from the news media. I think that's really uh really you know you would think they'd be the one saying let's let's have this out there let's have the full story so everyone can make decisions but i think and I, my final point on this is you, i think you there's a huge a great contrast in my mind between you've got ed fitzpatrick and the globe interviewing this adam greenman guy without investigating how much financial incentive he has directly in this issue and then you've got mike stanton another old pro joe guy who's now a uconn journalism professor complaining that channel 10 channel 10 is is not being sufficiently hard with nicole solis and just calling or a Rhode Island mother. So he wants investigation of her. She, her interests have to be front and center. On the other side, we, we just ignore them. That's how they control the narrative. And it's it really, it, your free speech and all of that depends on what your political views are and, and to a lot of these people's minds. Folks, again, our segment is Politics This Week. He is the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always. Stay safe in the snow and we'll talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you, John. Talk to you Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, they'll license arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, depetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at depetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, depetro.com. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, depietro.com. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe. Trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. 7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com 
Matthews Oil, premier dealer in Rhode Island, delivering the highest quality heating fuels. At Matthews Oil, they take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family. Celebrating 90 years of service, call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500.